Support for 100 Watts and a Wire is brought to you by 100wattsandawire.com. To subscribe to the show, simply click the RSS feed or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. When you visit, apply for your free 100 Watts ID and learn how you can become a sustaining member. Click the Donate page and pick the option that works best for you. We've got a traveling toolkit, 100 Watts and Wire gear, and activity days with prizes. That's 100wattsandawire.com. And ICOM. New year, new savings. Bring in the new year loud and clear with some of ICOM's most innovative products. Check out the website for current promotions on ICOM's 7610, 7300, and 9700. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all ICOM radios. And LDG. LDG leads the industry in customer service. Every LDG product comes with a two-year parts and labor warranty, and it's fully transferable. If you ever sell or give away your LDG tuner, the remainder of the warranty goes with it. For more information, visit ldgelectronics.com. And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Well, hey there, it's Christian. My call sign is Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. And there goes the owl. I've got a big old owl lives in a pine tree just across the way. And in between my antenna garden, I don't have an antenna farm by any means. I have a, an antenna garden. And we're doing a bit of a walk and talk, a field report for part of uh, this episode, I'm scheduled to talk to Steve, W7UDI, a bit later today. I'm having a couple of issues outside. It always seems to be the way. I uh, spent uh, about a day and a half in Louisville, Kentucky. And when I came home, uh, it seems like I find something. I always find something. And it's part of the thing that we really love. And then there's a part of the thing that we really hate. At least I'm talking we, me. You know, and again, there's an issue with 160, and I've got another little issue that I'll talk about with Steve. I should tell you, uh, we're sitting at 32 degrees. Uh, it is clear, just a slight wind this morning. The sun is out. It's beautiful. There goes the owl. I think it was waiting for me to decide if I was going to come that far or not. Um, so the issue I'm having this morning, 160, is just not really, it's, it's like a bad connector type of issue where it's there, it's not completely gone, but something's wrong, and either the uh, center pin is pulled away, I don't know. I'm also having that issue with my 80 meter, which is uh, pretty much in the same place. So either, you know, maybe a deer came through, ran into it, the winds came and whipped up over the hill and kind of pulled them both. Now, if I put a little power into the 80 meter antenna, it comes back. Uh, it, it doesn't completely go away, but I put a little power into it, you know, like I would say be tuning. A little power goes through the line, it comes right back. So. Yeah, I talked to Steve yesterday. He thinks maybe a bad connector or something's pulling free, but I checked 160 this morning before the sun came up and inside the shack, and it's not there either. And these guys are both hanging from the same tree, so something something either came bounding through here, wind or animal, and uh, we're making the track out. I'm just going to look at it. I mean, it's. I'm getting to the point, quite honestly, that... You know, I'm wondering about 160 anymore, man. It is such a pain in the ass. And people say, man, I wish I had the space for the wire. And I'm like, be careful what you wish for, man, because mine is in the woods. And uh, we're walking through it right now. And uh, it's always something. So both legs, we're standing near it now. Both legs are still there. They're fine. And... uh, I'm looking up at the ballon at the center. It's a bit of a jacked up ballon. This thing has been built, if you've been listening anytime to 100 watts in a wire, you know that I've had continuous issues with this. This particular antenna has re- been rebuilt at least twice. Uh, the center, 
piece, the ballon does look a little crooked. You know, I don't know what that is, what that means. I don't think there's... I mean, it could be critters pulled it. I don't think we've had any significant wind. But look, man, I I haven't talked to you since uh, before Christmas time. And at Christmas, we had 70 degrees. It was 70 degrees. And some wind did come through um, the weekend after Christmas and kind of brought the cold air. You know how that goes. But I didn't think it was anything significant. Looking up there, it does look like my ballon is a little... It just isn't hanging down straight. It looks like it's a little crooked. And then this area, you know, who knows? It doesn't look like a, a tree limb has fallen down, which is a constant issue here. Dead wood, these trees. In the woods, it seems the trees grow so close together that they don't really get the opportunity to root deeply and they'll get up there 15, 20 feet or whatever it may be, and they tend to fall over. They tend to fall over. It's not a chronic, this is always happening in the woods, but from time to time it does. Dead wood, there are trees here. I'm looking at probably three dead little trees. And uh, just, you know, in a 15-foot area, there's no drip line for these trees. Um uh, meaning that if they grow up and they, they send out their branches, there's no water drip line. That's, there should be enough space between trees to have a significant drip line um, so they can kind of spread out easy enough and grow properly. Well, in the woods, everything is everything, and uh, it grows where it grows. Anywho, you get some trees that just don't make it, and they end up dying out, and they don't root deeply, and they fall over. Not the case here today. I think this could either be wind and a case where we've pulled away in our connector or maybe a couple animals. We've got coyotes, we've got foxes, raccoons, deer, of course, and and uh, maybe something came and hit this 213 hanging from the sky. I don't know. It's curious that they're both having an issue at the moment. And sadly, I don't really have enough supplies uh, I need to get myself some some connectors. Uh, I've got a couple that you, you know, the regular, not the non-crim kind, that would need to be soldered on. I could put them on there and try to solder out here, but in 32-degree weather, it is not ideal to be soldering, and I can't take this line up. Part of it's buried. It's a long run from my switcher. You know, and uh, it's just not possible to take this in and do it. I'd have to just take it down, uh, cut off the connector, apply a new one, and hope for the best, tape it back up and see what we could do. I, and I'm not sure the solder would work out here in this temperature. Slight wind and 32 degrees it is not ideal for changing connectors. So I, I like crimp connecting. Uh, at least I can get out here and, and make sure all the contacts are in. I still have you know issues sometimes with uh, them slipping and falling away and doing what they do. But I do like crimping. I'm a fan of crimping. Old schoolers may not dig that as much, but I'm, I like it. Well, I think all I can do now, friends, is uh, I can say Happy New Year. 2020 is going to be a great year. We'll do some different things, uh, including some more conversations with folks, try to learn a little bit more. We'll spread our wings a bit, get some more voices in. Uh, so I plan on doing that uh, as well. Uh, a lot of questions come in. Uh, some are technically related, and maybe I'll share those and get somebody like Steve uh, to help and talk about that. He's got, you know, over 40 years of being a ham, and part of his career is to work on things uh, that are, you know, aligned in this uh, hobby and field. You know, he works on the power lines, goes up towers and all that stuff. But anyway, he's he's seen a lot of stuff, and he's kind of a go-to guy for experience for me. Anyway, we'll talk to him more. We'll talk more about some MCOM things uh, and those things that are sort of on the periphery of our hobby. You know, I'm starting to get, my kids are getting a little a little bit bigger and uh, thinking about more of uh, camping. You know, I'm also into uh, survival and knives and firearms and all these things are, uh, you know, you're not just one thing. This really is the intersection of life and amateur radio. So the hobbies and the things and the interests that we have, 
you know, go beyond the radio sometimes. That isn't to say that I'm going to change it. These things kind of align with other things. Um, amateur radio does align with many other aspects of our lives, and so that's what 100 Watts and Wire is about. All right, so I've brought you to the woods on a very cold day. I think I could try to change this out while I'm out here just to see, just to see if the solder would take. Just bring it down and take a look at it. It's worthless to me up there right now, so I might as well just bring it down and take a look at it. And I should be able to tell what's going on with the connector. And I can make an attempt to put a new one on there and solder it. We'll probably take that and then kind of catch you up on the, the progress of it. The 80 meter one may have slipped just slightly. The connector may have slipped just slightly because when I put a little bit of power through it, it comes back and it'll hold. It happened last night and um, put a little power in it and it cleared itself right back. It came and it's held and here it is this morning and it was doing fine. I click over to 160 and mm, try the same old trick with that. Put a little power through. Nope. Nope. So this one has either really slipped. But the good news is the antenna is still up. The ends are still fine. We'll just bring it down and we'll uh, see what we can do. The, the hard part for me is pulling that rope up there, man. 50 feet in this cold weather. It's kind of, or 55. It's cold. It's cold. All right. Much different from uh, Christmas week, for sure. 70 degrees on Christmas. It was just, was, it's hard to feel like Christmas when it's 70 degrees. You know what I mean? All right, friends, we'll wrap up this uh, first segment here, and we'll come back. We're going to be talking to Steve, some other things, hit some other topics. And, uh, yeah, we can get into, like, working on things in the, uh, in the cold or not working on things. Uh, we'll come back and talk more next. Whether you say 7.3 or 73, even 73s, we're still 100 watts and a wire. Bring in the new year with some of ICOM's most innovative products, the 7610. This is a direct sampling transceiver that will change the world's definition of SDR, Software Define Radio. It has the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. Now, with the IC7300, ICOM is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver has a compact design and will far exceed your expectations. And the IC9700, it was built with VHF-UHF weak signal operators in mind. With faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal, Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all ICOM radios. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. Here's Christian, Kilo Zero, Sierra Tango Hotel. Okay, back inside from a cold day. It, uh, it, it's getting warmer here now. I hate to talk about the temperature here in the heartland because there are other people experiencing a much colder Temperatures, we were about 32 this morning. I went outside and did some antenna work, and I told you I'd be talking to Steve, W7UDI. He's joining me today from the Pacific Northwest in uh, Washington State. Uh, Steve is a friend of mine. He is a mentor. We call them Elmers. If you're new to amateur radio and just finding this podcast, uh, you may uh, interchange the word Elmer and mentor, and you'll hear uh, 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 Elmer. A lot. I don't know where that comes from. Steve, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Good, mor good morning to you and everyone. Uh, do you know where Elmer comes from? I mean, this is uh, you've got 40-plus years in the game, and it's one of those things that just uh, stuck, right? Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I don't know where it came from. I, I'd have to look it up and find out. It's uh, one of those traditions that came along, and when I got started, it, they always talked about Elmers, and, uh, and it just kind of stuck. The the funny thing is, every time I hear Elmer, that was the name of my dad. <laughs> so I'll look around for my father. Uh, but uh, no, it's a it's a tradition that's been in the hobby ever since I've been in it. That's something new I didn't know about, and I claim you as an Elmer. And you know that we sort of we have a little network of people that we talk to. Did you have an Elmer when you got in the game? Unfortunately, no, I didn't. I just kind of 
found my way through the hobby and I would talk to various people and so when I got into the hobby in the in the mid 60s mid 60s no it was mid 70s and uh I was a teenager and, and back then it was kind of like oh okay kid you know kind of be quiet and uh, just listen so <laughs> it was uh, it was a little tough but I was persistent and uh just kind of found my way through went through stuff in the library we didn't have the internet back then and so I'd have to look things up ask people and eventually I came to find a, a group of people that was willing to teach and become Elmers and uh, but it was I didn't have one per, you know one guy that I could always go to I always I had a group of people that I uh, that I would find uh, to be Elmer Elmer me along but it uh, it took a couple of years to kind of get that because it, back, back in the day in my day it was uh, uh the guys were uh, a little hesitant with teenagers ah you kids you know da 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 and all that other happy fun stuff and you came up in the era of the code and mm -hmm. uh, i mean nowadays we all know we talk about it and it's a it's a bigger bigger issue is how do you get the next generation involved and that's something that we'll talk about over the you know the coming weeks you know, everybody's trying to figure it out. How do we get the next generation in? Well, back when you were getting in, you know, they, they had a different criteria to get your license and how long you could be a novice and these sorts of things. And it's changed over the years. And now people who are on the air, when I got in, I mean, you know, you're only talking 2012. But um, when I got to HF, I was really leaning. My whole profession had nothing to do with being an electronics engineer or electrical engineer, or any engineer of any sort of thing, broadcast engineer, none of that. I was on this side of the microphone and got curious and just loved radio. And, and I felt like I was leaning on a couple of people too much. And nobody ever said to me, Christian, you know, stop calling, stop emailing me. Nobody did that. And now that I've been in it for a little while, I think that, you know, I probably wouldn't have heard that, um, but you became, whether it's good or bad, it's been good for me, you became sort of a transitional Elmer to me um, when I thought that I was leaning on the locals a little too much because I didn't know anything back then. And now you and I talk all the time, probably several times a week, and it's usually me stuck with some kind of issue, and it happened just last night. <laughs> Yeah, it was the same problem I had last March, and uh, or oh, I think it is. You'll uh, you'll text me and uh, say, "Hey, I got this issue. What do you think?" And uh, I'll go through it, and I wow, I kind of think it's this, this, and this. And when you started describing it, it's like, wow, it sounds like exactly what I went through last March. And uh, and you and I were going over, and I was, sent you pictures, and uh, so I'm kind of curious to hear what the outcome is. Well, I, you know, I, I love to tell you, I, I believe you were right. And you even showed me the photographs of your connectors. And I was having this issue on 80 meters where it's there. You can see the signal. It's there. But it's almost like when you change your bands and you can still hear another uh, a band on that one, and it, but there's no real signal. So I, I was getting that sort of phenomenon on uh, 80 meters and I put a little bit of juice in it, just a little bit. I dropped it in like, you know, Riddy or whatever, or AM, whatever you're doing that you like maybe would tune up. Just a little bit of power, just enough, and it would clear it up. And I've had this happen to me before. And I guess it gets a little frustrating. It will hold for a while. And then mm -hmm. the next thing you know, you turn your rig back on and it's, it's doing the same thing. And so I, I send Steve a text. I'm like, what's that phenomena? You know, when it does this thing. And uh, sure enough, I went out there, and it was cold. I can tell you, Steve, my hands don't like doing this stuff in the cold anymore. The ropes, uh, the, you know, the fine stuff. And, you know, sure, you wear gloves, but I kind of need to get the gloves off and feel what I'm doing sometimes. I took, the, I, I took it down, brought it down, and I thought to myself, it's doing me no good up there. You might as well bring it down. Took a look, and it looked like it did slip. It did slip a little bit. Um, and coincidentally, the 160, which is in the same tree, uh, that had an issue, same kind of issue. And I thought he was right. It was at the, at the antenna, not the switcher side. 
and they both had that issue. So either the wind had either galloped this coax, pushed it, maybe an animal, I don't know, pulled it, stepped on it, I don't know. But uh, sure enough, I tightened things up, pulled it down, and, um, and it wasn't much either. I mean, it really wasn't much, you know? Talk about that a little bit when you when you pull out the connector and you see that it slipped a little bit away from that that center pin there. So yeah, what ends up happening? So you're using a, a crimp connector like uh, I was using, and um, so the, you know, you crimp it. Now hopefully you're using the right crimper and that you get the uh, the proper torque. But what ends up happening is we're getting this temperature variation. So you're going to have hot, cold, hot, cold. Uh, throughout the day plus you got the weight of of the cable that's hanging down and then like you mentioned the galloping so all these factors kind of come in well what's ended up happening for in my case and probably in in yours was that the center conductor started to slip back and uh, as the uh, the copper was cooling off it's contracting it's just kind of shrinking and in the in the heat it would expand and so you got this expansion contraction and i think what's happening is that it just started to pull it back well when you hit it with power like when you turn you're going to tune up your radio and put it in cw there it was it, you now had a bad connection and so when you have a high resistance or a bad connection you're going to create heat and then all of a sudden now that copper will expand a little bit and boom now you got that uh connection and everything's working it's like oh the antenna's good and as long as you're just chit-chatting on the radio you're maintaining that connection and and so in my case or and also probably in your case after a while it just kind of just slips out and that's it i've been using crimp on connectors in in the on the job and everything because it's really fast it's easy we, we can even make up connections for jumpers uh, up on top of a tower but then it's like well wait a minute i don't have a lot of and it works fine in the land mobile world it's been working fine um but we don't have all that strain on that connector like we do when you put up say a dipole or a off-center fed dipole or whatever where we just have that cable hanging down 50 60 feet from uh, the connector all that strain is right there on that crimp well i'm i've kind of went back and reevaluated my situation and i'm now getting connectors which you can get that you you solder the center conductor you still crimp the out the the shield and everything but the center conductor is soldered and uh, there's places you know dx engineering is one place you can get these connectors and i'm going to transition over to those for my outside antennas have i done it yet no because right now everything's working and it's like don't screw with success and so maybe that's something to think about they're a little more expensive but i'm i'm kind of thinking for for where you have a bunch of cable hanging down from a, a ballon or your your antenna connection on a dipole, that might be the better choice uh, to uh, you know to solve that problem and uh, have have our connection stay you know working for for years to come. We should probably um, for people who don't know Steve, uh, you probably heard Steve on, and we probably met um, back when I was doing um, pieces for Ham Nation, and you were doing the. Ham Nation after net. Mm -hmm. I guess that's probably where we met. That makes a lot of sense. And then when uh, I, was it right? Yeah, we met at uh, Dayton, uh, one of the uh, Wednesday night uh, shows, and uh, we just became friends uh, ever right. since then. In fifteen, right? That's right. Now I forget. See, I forget. <laughs> we did. That's right. Because Wednesday night, Ham Nation will go in and do those sh the show live from the plaza. That's. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were helping Dr. Bob set up the audio, and we were, that's how we met. Now I got it. Now I got it. But we should probably say, of course, that, uh, probably around 2015, um, you started running the uh, 100 watts of wire Sunday evening net. We've been on Thursdays. We've been on Sundays. So you're familiar with Steve's voice from the air. And he always says, you know, talking about, a, talking about ham radio is one thing. Doing it is another. So you hear him on the air quite a bit. But they may not know what your job is. I mean, briefly, I mean, you talk about as much as you want, but uh, your line of work runs parallel sort of with what we do in amateur radio. Uh-huh. Yep. In fact, uh, my, 
I got interested in radio when I was, uh, I don't know, 11, 12 years old and thought it was cool. And uh, because I started kind of getting the urge, I, I, you know, I want to take, you know, go through electronics. And uh, it was just a, um, a natural fit. So uh, I went to school. I went to college, learned about electronics, and uh, did that. Worked uh, in when I was uh, going through college. I worked as an avionics tech. I did uh, installations in airplanes, and that was the, to me that was the coolest because I loved flying and I liked being around aircraft and and played with radio. So it was like, wow, this is cool. And then after uh, school, I got uh, picked up uh, by uh, electric utility, uh, working as a communications tech. And I've been in that, that field in the utility sector uh, ever since. I started in 1982. Uh, so uh, as a, a technician for a utility, we're pretty much jack of all trades, uh, master of none. So I call it, uh, we work from DC to light. And Basically, uh, we use DC equipment, so we have a 48-volt power plant that powers all our equipment. It's like, well, Steve, you work for electric utility. Well, yeah, of course. We know that we're the most unreliable power source, so that's why we use batteries. And then we, yeah, I'd work on the DC power plants, the equipment, all the way up to fiber optics, which is uh, the light part. So uh, everything in between uh, fiber optics, microwave, uh, land mobile you name it we pretty much do it so it's just been kind of a uh, the radio and the hobby has been a natural fit stuff that i've learned in the hobby i got to use at work and things i learned at work i got to you know use in the hobby here now if you do a qrz look for w7 udi you'll find steve up on a tower and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and nothing in the, on the page. I don't know how to talk about myself. but uh, So a lot of people ask me about that picture. So that picture is uh, up on a tower. We were actually doing something really simple that day. We were changing on a light bulb. And that, uh, that picture is uh, out on uh, Fidalgo Island where uh, Anacortes, Washington is. And uh, the reason we have uh, lights on that particular tower is... Uh, because uh, we have Naval uh, Air Station Whidbey, Whidbey Island. Uh, so they, uh, they fly over the site, and uh, so we put uh, markers on, on the tower just for courtesy. Even though we're under 200 feet on it, uh, we're not legally required to light it, but uh, we lit it for uh, just courtesy for our, our Naval aviators. And so you can see now that over the last five years, now that we're in 2020, you've been helping me. I'm, I'm letting the audience know that you've been helping me. Uh, I did not even know. Uh, the, it makes perfect sense now that you talk about the connectors. I always thought about the hanging coax. I use the 213, which is kind of military grade. It's not cheap. You've got to save up for that. It's variable, uh, but it is heavy. It is heavy and when to pull it. And I didn't even think about uh, to use a Seinfeld reference, the shrinkage factor when it's cold, what that may be doing to uh, the elements inside of a coax cable. So you've actually taught me something new. And this is why I think it's important. We'll have these conversations now because we have them all the time together, usually through text or on air or whatever it is. But I think uh, we can learn some things uh, just talking about it, just talking about what the weather does to that uh, connector makes a lot of sense to me and it's something i it's probably a no-brainer or a toss away for people who have been doing it for a long time but for a lot of us i still feel kind of new with these things you know and uh, tracking down these issues and troubleshooting isn't always um easy and i thought this morning i looked at the temperature and i i should get a, around to asking you what you're looking at right now we were at 32 i was like yeah you know i don't know screw it I don't know, but then there's part of me, and it was like, get out there. You've got to find out what this issue is. You need to fix that. You need that antenna fixed right now, you know, and I'm still trying to get over that part of, of this whole thing where it's got to be done, and I've seen you several times uh, have an issue. You're like, yeah, I'll get to it in the spring. I'm like, Right. Well, that's like last year, it was like I was dead in the water. <laughs> so you remember those pictures? Uh, we had a couple feet of snow, and I took out my table and uh, brought down the uh, double bazooka, and off we went and uh, uh, stuck the end of the uh, pigtail into the into the glove. And you may I kind of remember you made a comment about that. It was uh, like 
just like just keeping that connector dry so uh it was just i had my gloves on and i was like well i need my hands and it was it was butt cold that day and but i didn't want to get any moisture or any you know onto the connector so i just ended up sticking them inside of a on, in a glove and uh, went from that way uh, our temperature right now uh, sorry about the pop uh is um is 31 degrees so we're about the same right now yeah we're trying to go up now we're uh, we're creeping up on the midday here we're recording this on sunday good and uh steve's out out west so he's in a different time zone so we're matching up we're both having coffee still though and mm-hmm. i like this this would be a lot of fun I want to take a, a quick break, and when we come back, we mentioned uh, you and I are going to be all over the place because this is how we go. And um, but you mentioned uh, your work on towers, and I want to take a, a little pause, and when we come back, talk a little bit about tower safety, if that's all right with you. Can, can we do that? Sure. All right, we'll come back and talk to Steve W seven UDI more next. Made in America, shared worldwide. This is 100 watts and a wire. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. An LDG desktop tuner works automatically with nearly any station up to 1,000 watts. LDG Zero Power Tuners are ideal for portable or mobile use, as they consume almost no current and can be powered by internal batteries that last up to a year. LDG tuners are backed by our two-year fully transferable warranty and our legendary customer service, the best in the industry. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. And BioNO Power, offering the best performance lithium iron phosphate batteries for your ham radios. Visit BioNOPower.com. That's B-I-O-E-N-N-O-P-O-W-E-R.com or contact dealers nationwide. This is 100 Watts and a Wire. Okay, we're joined by Steve, W7UDI, a friend of mine. If you don't believe it, look up his 100 Watt ID number. And I held back a couple of numbers for my kids just in case one day they decide uh, to get involved. What are you, 104? Yep, 104. And I held a couple of numbers back and we started at 100. So now we're into 3,000, deeper into 3,000 issued. Uh, everything is free with us, and we talk about it on the Sunday evening at 7 o'clock Central Time. Uh, you're able to hear Steve run uh, from the West. We have Ian, who is November, Victor for Charlie. I, I'm still trying to learn his as much as possible. Uh, he runs from uh, Georgia, uh, and then from time to time I jump in here uh, from the heartland uh, near uh, St. Louis, Missouri. But anyhow, we, uh, we talk about the 100-watt IDs. We take them during our net, and uh, you can get one if you're interested. We share them during the net and during activity times. Uh, you can uh, look at 100wattsandawire.com. Click on the gathering, and you can get one uh, sequentially issued. It usually takes a, a few days or a week. We've got an actual human being. The computer will generate your number, but emailing it out to you is done by a person. Uh, who is busy. We appreciate his work that he's doing to Kilo India 9 Whiskey. Uh, takes care of that side of things for us. Uh, Steve, before uh, in our last segment, we talked about your work on towers. And recently, I won't send anybody's names out there right now, but it was a video of a ham radio operator putting up a tower. And I thought, you know, what do you think? This is, and, I, and my whole point of sharing it with you was the fact that I could not do this. I'd have to call you and you'd have to come here and, and you'd have to help me. And it was up higher than I thought I could ever imagine. And, you know, some of us aren't made for climbing. And I thought, what do you think? And I shared it with you. And uh, you remember the video I'm talking about? Yeah, the guy uh, on a Rome 25, if I remember right. Yeah, he was up in about 60 feet or so, but and he had help. He got some people to help him out. But you were a little concerned about what? Uh, if I remember right, I think he was just wearing a body belt, uh, what we refer to as a lineman belt, and uh, and and now that is foreboding. It's uh, I had a lineman belt. In fact, I started uh, so when I was in shortly after I got my uh, my license and I started tower climbing and uh, pole climbing and uh, the the repeater owners and. 
<laughs> where I lived loved me because of like, oh, a young guy that was willing to climb. And I, I would climb anything and everything, but all I had was a belt. And uh, that's what, the way we did it for years and years and years and too many tragedies, uh, both uh, at work and uh, and outside, you know, in the amateur realm. We just, uh, people were, were falling off towers and uh, and so things have changed. Things, a lot of things have changed and now uh, I wear a full body harness. In fact, you can see in that picture on top of uh, Mount Erie there on the QRZ uh, picture. And uh, what I need to do is probably get some more pictures of the full, the full harness and um, things have changed uh, to the, for the better. It's uh, made uh, what I take up on the tower made me a little heavier. I have to carry more, but uh, in the end it's, uh, much much safer so when i see videos i've i get really critical with it uh and i'll i'll, I'll see simple little things that uh, most people will avoid and it's like no that's not cool but uh and uh, so i i get a little critical on that but uh and i try not to be too critical about it because trying to tell someone hey you know you need to really rethink on how you're doing that some people get, oh, I've been climbing for the last 50 years this way. You're not going to tell me how to do it. It's like, okay, whatever. You know, go for it. It's, you know, but, uh, hey, I'm just trying to help you. So and You have a tower, too. Are you, is yours 75 foot or is it 100 foot? Uh, the one I have up right now is 80 foot. Okay, so you have an 80 foot tower. You've been climbing for decades. Um, and you talked about protocol, rules, that sort of thing. So... Uh, needless to say, when you go up on your own tower, you're using the same, you, you don't half-step it going up there, right? You're, you're doing all of what you do in your day-to-day -day work life, right? Yeah. So the one thing we don't have on, um, on, you know, on our ham towers is uh, whether it's our 25, 45, or, or whatever, we don't have a climbing ladder with, a, uh, with the cable. So we have a, on our on most commercial towers, we'll have a climbing ladder and then there's a cable right in the middle of it. And then we have a, uh, a uh, cable break that uh, we attach to it. So it's on our, uh, our chest D ring. So as we climb, if we slip, it, uh, it grabs you and it won't let you, uh, let you fall. So the protocol is when you uh, climb a tower without uh, the safety grab, uh, there's a there's a number of ways and it, the slow process and we call it clip clippity clop and uh so we have our fall arrest and uh and we just kind of clop it you know clip into the uh into the tower and you go a couple of steps and then you take your second one and you clip into it disconnect the first one and it's a slow process that um it is it easier to free climb yeah is it safer no <laughs> because you're relying on your hand strength and everything so uh i when I work on my own personal tower, I climb the way I climb, the way I trained, and uh, and the way I work at work. And if it takes a little longer to get to the top, well, so be it. It takes a little bit longer to get to the top. And uh, usually, it's like, oh yeah, that should take about an hour to do all that. Now, uh, multiply it by three, and that's usually what the time frame you'll need to do whatever you need to do. A couple times out of the year. Karen Eve Murray, uh, KD2GUT, she's the editor for Amateur Radio Newsline, and she'll call up, and she'll have a story for me, and she'll want me to do a story. And it's always, not always, but I'm kind of the guy that they go to when someone falls and dies on a tower. And I think I'm tuned into it a little bit more now, but it seems like last year, and it just sounds like, well, it was just a couple guys, but I think there were two amateur radio operators, if not three. I think there were three. Yeah, and that, I think one was in Missouri, um, so I know that's why I got the call for that one out here. And these are experienced, quote, experienced people, and like you said, teach their own. If you're going to go up there, and, you know, I've seen guys working on, this is a different topic, I've seen guys up on tree, dealing with tree limbs and things, completely not safe i mean like what is that and then we hear about these stories of people who are experienced uh antenna people uh, or tower people they've got towers they've been going up and down for years what do you think i mean naturally it's uh, it's got to be upsetting but like or like a shake your head moment but i mean as a guy who's doing this for his living what do you make of these 
amateur radio guys falling off of the towers. I, it, it's hard. It's disheartening. It's sad. Um, they're um, they're doing basic mistakes, which they wouldn't do on the job if they're you know professional climbers. And um, I know, like one of them, the, one of the, they were taking it. They were taking it the tower down but they didn't do the first step and that was uh, inspect the tower it's just before you go up just look at what uh, what's going on at the base and a lot of times you're going to have a bunch of corrosion and uh, all of a sudden it's like this base is not right it's it, you've got uh, two legs that might be corroded and now you want to get up on there now you're going to add some other forces to the tower and then you're taking it down, and I think that was one of the uh, the deaths was uh, they were disassembling, and it's like, why? Why don't you just, uh, if you have the room, cut the guys and drop it and uh, scrap the metal. and uh, Or if you can't drop it, uh, then, you know what, bring a crane in. Well, that's what we're doing. We're using more and more on the job a crane. It's Yeah, it's ex a little bit of expense, but you know what, you bring in a crane, you uh, you can uh, have it attached. Now, granted, if you know you got to go up it, uh, but even if if even if you can't climb the tower, a lot of crane companies now have man baskets, and they will um, they'll hook up the man basket. They'll you go up in the in the man basket. You make your attachment to the top of the tower or or to the antenna, and uh, go from there. And if you're bringing the tower down, you make the attachment to the uh, to the tower, and then you come back down. And um, and then they can uh, hook up to the uh, to the sling and then go from there and uh, bring down the tower safely. So there's there's ways that we can work around it. The problem becomes it's it's costly. Uh, a crane is about 150 bucks an hour, at least out here, and uh, you know it will vary from uh, from area to area. But look at that, and uh, I mean it's only, it's money. Yeah, I know we're supposed to be frugal and all this other stuff, but you know, what's your life worth? It's the same thing with uh, safety equipment. And uh, oh, I'm going to use this 30 year old uh, leather lineman belt uh, to go climb on a tower. Well, no, why don't you just get a proper harness? And yes, it's going to be an investment, but what's your life worth? And uh, and unfortunately, we take our, you know. Our lives a little short, you know. We take it for granted, and it's like, oh, this this can't happen to me. That happens to the other guy. Well, guess what? It can happen to any of us. So yeah, I'm not trying to make this about a bummer because you and I always have a lot of fun. But I I think that setting up the way that you work and what you do as a profession and uh, your area of expertise is important for our listeners to hear. And I hear a lot of times on the radio. You probably have too. Some of the locals. They'll talk about they need to do a little tower work and you get these old boys that are getting a little too heavy to get up there. Or they're getting older and they don't want to go up. I just need to find me a young guy, 18 years old, like a monkey, go up there and do it. And I want and you've I, you had to have heard these sort of, sort of scenarios. It's almost like I'm going to hire a guy who's willing to do, it, uh, to do it. I wonder if I mean, there's so much training and everything else that goes on in amateur radio. Is it worth um, I don't know if it would be something the league would do or local clubs would do, and maybe they do. I don't know. Never heard of this. But could there be some tower safety training involved in either our amateur radio clubs or elsewhere? you have any thoughts? That, and unfortunately, I think the lawyers would come into play on this. Uh, there's, there's two companies uh, that we use in the uh, – in the at the work so there's comtrain and uh, gravitech and i've been certified by both of them my latest was uh, gravitech and um so they're the two recognized uh, trainers to get us uh competent to uh to climb and um but it's an so it's a 40 hour class so it's a you know full week and it's not cheap and uh, that's that's just on the pro side and you know companies will send their their people out to uh, get this training and uh, but here on the amateur side I don't know it's uh, so basically unfortunately we live in this uh, sue happy society if a club turned around and got some people 
and did some training and uh but if someone got hurt then does what kind of liability goes back does the family go hey you know club xyz you trained my husband to to be a climber and uh your training wasn't uh sufficient and he fell and and got killed i don't know that we need to do some training but then it comes down to the liability Uh, unfortunately that's the sad part about the the way things are these days but uh right you're right litigious society we will sue each other for nothing and everything and uh, yeah you're right this is probably a bad idea no, it's it is that that part is the is the unfortunate part. But it's we need to get people the pro. You know, they they got to be aware. You got to do even if you don't have the training, do it. What's the industry standard? And use the proper safety equipment. Um, people, I mean, there you can hire uh, tower climbing crews if you can't do it yourself. Um, and go from there i wish some of these training companies would offer a, an abbreviated version that would uh, kind of help and uh, maybe down the road that someone might have that training or or something like that but you know getting a formalized training is really what you need and you know i'm lucky enough to have that through work and uh but i'm not you know i can't train anybody i'm not certified to be a train the trainer and or train people but uh it's uh so i don't know how we tackle this uh, and you know it's it's not you know it's not for us i guess to figure it out but i think since we have a platform it's something we can talk about and and you look guys please everybody can throw up i mean i ride across the country i just did it spent uh spent the evening a day and a half in louisville on business and you ride through and across the country and you see how television antennas, they look like 50-foot towers to me, and I always try to guess the, um, the antenna up on top. But many of them are television antennas because that's what they did to get up and over the signal and through those hills and things. Uh, so they're all over the place, and people would just can just do it. You know, people can just go ahead and put a tower up there me, the fear of heights, I get to a certain level, I'm no good to you. I'm no good anymore. I need to go down. You know, it's not, and you've probably been around people, think they can do your job, Steve. You get them up there 30 feet, they're uh, shaking. That's the guy. Oh, that's the worst part. I've, I've had uh, a few people, oh, yeah, I can climb, I can climb. It's like, okay, you sure? And I, you know, it's like, you've never climbed before? No, no, but I can do it. I can handle it. And um, And this was years ago and uh so they throw a body belt on and uh and up we go and we get up 40 50 60 feet and all of a sudden they freeze and they're locked and they're panicked and uh, you're like oh geez and so then i spend the next 45 minutes getting them down where i have to just kind of get around them get below them and it's like okay we're gonna do this one step at a time and come down and it's it's no fun it's no fun for the person that's going that went up thinking they can do it and it's definitely no fun for me <laughs> and uh it just adds a lot of uh, a lot of stress to the whole situation and so if you're not comfortable know your limitations if you're not comfortable on a on a step ladder then my golly don't be on a tower that's the last place you need to be and and it's okay it doesn't mean you're any less of a person because you are not comfortable with it it's you know at the end of the day you're going to go home to your family and you're going to enjoy the hobby uh you know for years to come but uh yeah you know we have a great hobby but we have some dangerous aspects of our hobby like a lot of hobbies have their you know their dangerous aspects for us it's you know putting up antennas and uh whether it's on towers or even putting up an antenna in your backyard with a push-up mast and you're on a city lot and what's kind of running along the backside of your property line is the, the power lines. And all of a sudden you start losing this mast and it's heading towards the power lines. It's, and, and the natural reaction is to try to save. It's like, no, get away from it. Let it fall into the power lines. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it'll, you'll you have a bunch of, you know, arcing and sparking, but still it's your just safety, safety, safety. And we got to think about that. And, uh, 
uh, and oh, well, we can go on for hours on this, but uh, see, this is the beauty of this is why I think Steve is important to uh, to have on at least uh, once a month, if not more, to pick up little bits of segments. We've learned today what uh, connectors do. If you didn't already know this. We know what connectors do and temperatures that vary. It's almost like when you were saying that, I thought, well, that's how my wood doors are in my old house. You know, when, when the weather changes, my doors swell up. They get, you know, thin and when it's cold, that sort of thing. And I, did, I never even thought about that. So that's something uh, we learned today from you, which is appreciated. The other stuff is a tower stuff that came on. We didn't even have this on our list uh, of things to talk about today, but uh, setting up your profession and career and expertise, I think it's important. You know, know your limitations when it comes to the towers. And, and the per- you got to be smart enough to understand that the person that you're bringing in to help you, you need to make sure that person, one, is still of age to do it properly, you know, and that person is trained and comfortable uh, because we're finding out now. You look around and see some things. You go, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. That's only 50 foot. I, I do it all the time. And, and what's the weather conditions? Is it icy? So uh, if you're the person that's like me who uh, is, uh, knows my limitation, you know, I'm good about 15, 20 feet. Uh, at, at that point, I'm, I'm not good. I'm no good to you. I can't work with my hands. I'm not good. Uh, if you're that person, know that whoever you're bringing in is comfortable, trained, is using the right stuff. Because as Steve pointed out, we looked at the video, excited for a guy getting a new tower. But old boy up there doing the work wasn't, uh, wasn't right. He wasn't right. He was using an old school way. And uh, from time to time, at least a few times a year, we're hearing about these guys who are trained and uh, have done it all their lives are falling and dying. It seems you fall off the tower. You don't hear the story about the guy who falls off and breaks his leg. Dead is, you know, is, is the story that you hear. That doesn't seem to be much in between. Yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, one other thing that's one of my real big pet peeves. Uh, when I look at, uh, pictures or videos of guys, you know, putting up antennas, and I love watching that stuff. Just, you know, and I'm excited for whoever, you know, they're getting their new antenna put up or they're, they got their tower put up. The guy, the guy's on the tower not wearing any um, head protection. And it's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And, uh, oh, no, I don't want to wear a hard hat. I'll get blown out of the way. Just, you know, simple. If you look at my picture, I have a, um, a mountaineering uh, helmet on with a chin strap. And it's there as a bump. There's so many times climbing up a tower i bump right into something and we have a lot of angle steel on the commercial towers and if i didn't have head protection i would have had to crack my head open and now i got a bleeder and then here we are dealing with that and uh we don't want to deal with uh, a head bleed at you know 200 feet up in the air it's uh it took a while to get up there and it's going to take a while to get down but uh and as your you know things are getting hoisted up we bump our heads onto things uh, on a tower or as you're climbing up you're not looking up you're just kind of paying attention where your hand placement is and boom you run into something and uh, that's one of the first things i look at is not wearing head protection and so if you do climb first get a hard hat at least get some head protection because uh, if you knock yourself out on the top of the tower 911 in most cases is not equipped to do a tower rescues and that in fact part of our tower certification is we got to do our own rescue so the guys on the tower have to you know get the guy down because your local fire department is not equipped to do uh, high angle rescues yes you know the bigger cities the bigger departments are equipped to doing that but towers is not a place where their uh, their expertise is and it's uh, they look at us as the climbing professionals to you know get our people down and uh, in the amateur world we don't have that and uh, so if someone you know has a a head injury and loss of blood and we they they can't get themselves down then we got to rescue them and bring them down so and there's uh, a lot of training involved in that too so but that's uh, beyond this point even the little things like eye protection like mm-hmm. imagine being up 50 feet and have something fly into your eye mm-hmm. you know and you've got something in your eye now and you're worthless you're one eye jack up there going steve i got something in my eye yeah and it's 
especially if you're tra- transitioning and uh, you're not you know tied off 100% and now you're dealing with your eye and uh, you're now standing on a piece of uh, angle steel or or a uh, the cross you know the uh, cross brace on a Roan 25 you're in a compromised position and uh, you're trying to deal with your eye and next thing you know you're slipping and uh, so yeah eye protection hand protection and head protection you got to have those PPEs uh, on you all the time and uh, but these things we we don't think about oh yeah I'm just going to go up there it's only going to be a 5 minute job I I'm only going up like you said 10 15 feet well you know what you can die at even 10 feet so it's uh my father tell me that you can fall off a ladder like a step ladder he'd say things like you know he was very he was a complicated man but he could also be very simple too he'd say you can drown in a teaspoon of water you can fall and uh you can die uh off of a step ladder so he always had these very um you know he had had also fallen off a roof before a slate roof so uh, he real hard lessons uh, doing heating and air conditioning work and that sort of thing when but you know it's the things you don't think about all the time and you think you get real cavalier you get complacent the biggest thing complacency and uh and it happens with the guy you know guys in my field they uh they get complacent and it's like ah you know this is not at work and uh, away you go you got to think it out you just uh you really really got to think what you're doing and uh Think of all the different scenarios that could happen and uh, just try to mitigate it and uh, do it right. Do it safely and uh, that way you can, you know, come back and enjoy the hobby. You know, you're going to put an antenna up or work on your tower or whatever. You don't, you want to enjoy that hobby and your, your family wants you to be there. And so just think it through. And if you're not 100%, there's people out there. There you you can find them. There will be people that can give you direction and help you. Uh, but uh, just think it out and go from there. It's worth it too because I've found I don't have a tower. Um, I've got a tilt. And from the people I talk to, there's a like it's not like a one-time deal. You get up there and you put up the perfect antenna, and then you never have to touch it again for 25 years. There's always some work, some maintenance. And that you're doing and you're up and you're down. So just think about it. You guys are smart enough to know, but just be careful. This came up out of the blue. This was a, a nice sidebar. I want to encourage anybody listening who may have questions for Steve about this. You can, you can go to our website, drop us a line. You can send it to me. You can send it to Steve. Uh, his email's on the QRZ. Uh, yeah. it's, and uh, it's my call sign at net. So net. So W7UDI. If you have that, you have a question send it to us i'll get it to him or he can bring it back and we can talk about it uh we don't need to harp on it but if you have questions about that i always have questions about other things related to that i mean you always there's all the elements that's just a safety part kind of deal we haven't even and we can get into it uh, at another time different coax how do you uh attach the coax uh, what tools are you taking how are you get up and down What's your uh, team on the ground like? How many, you know, all these sort of things we can we can get into as we go. But this is a good starting point uh, to introduce anybody who doesn't know Steve already. You Certainly, if you've listened for a while, you've heard me reference him quite a bit. So this will be fun as we go to talk about different things. And he's my go-to guy for the technical side of this hobby. And uh, I remember when I was putting up my hex beam, you we were very specific and just the amount of time for the cement to cure. I've had people tell me, yeah, you just have a couple days, you're fine. Uh, Steve had me wait the full 30 days. Uh, He said, it'll be okay, you'll be all right. (laughs) And I'm thinking, no, I gotta, gotta have it. Steve, no, buddy, no, see? It's gonna be fine. No, 30 days, I waited 30 days just like he told me. Yep, it was like uh, when I did my tower, it was uh, board the base and uh, got everything ready to go and then it was like, okay can't do anything for 30 days and just walked away from it and uh, let that uh, concrete cure it's it's 30 days yep we get impatient and stuff like that but you know just wait the 30 days and uh, we're you're good to go he said it'll go fast it'll be it'll go fast. and it did it did it happened it just went everything's moving too fast now life is moving way too fast steve thanks for coming in and uh we will uh, we'll do this again because uh, we didn't even touch the topics 
that we had written down. It was just kind of like a scribble. Hey, we'll talk about this. We did talk about antenna connectors. Uh, so that's one. I'm going to monitor to make sure that I'm okay. I'd love to get the link for whatever connector you're changing over to, whether it's DX Engineering or there's another competitive um, you know, connector company out there that we can look at and try to get the best deals. But if you're making the move, eventually, I'll probably make the move too because I went to crimp connectors because you said it was all right. And, uh, and, I, and I did. I, I, pu I pushed you in that direction, and, uh, and I didn't think it through. See, And this is for everyone listening. Yeah, I've been a ham for 40 years. I've been uh, more than 40 years, <laughs> and I've been in the profession. We're always learning. So everything we do, we're learning something new, and I don't know everything. I don't profess to know everything. I'm always learning something I'm always willing to see what people are doing open just keep your mind open don't uh, don't be pigeonholed into one uh, thought and then so I went to and I told you yeah Chris go to the crimp connectors they are really easy to do you knew them outside there's no soldering no nothing not thinking about the stresses on there and, uh, and then when I ran into my problem, I was like, well, why did, they, why did this fail? Why? And then just started looking at it and trying to figure and going, okay, so what's the forces are involved? And then it's like, wow, okay, this is it. So how do we mitigate it? And uh, then came across these, uh, and I've had these connectors from other uh, suppliers. And it was like, okay, I, and I tried to look to find them. And then I found DX Engineering sells them. Now they're on the little on the pricey side. Uh, they're not cheap. But it's like, okay, well, this might be something good that will work, and we'll give it a try. Now, inside the shack here, um, am I going to use those connectors? Probably not. You know, the crimp connectors are going to be just fine because there won't be the stresses and strains like uh, uh, the connector outside. But on my outside connections, I'll probably use those connectors where you solder the center conductor and then the, uh, the shield is crimped. And uh, I think it's the best of both worlds uh, so far. I love the crimping because I had a hard time... I didn't have a field um, soldering iron to work with, so that became an issue for me. A crimping was great. You know, crimping is cool. It's still it's still cool, um, but there's always been this sort of, uh, I don't know, you have, everybody's got a different philosophy about it. I still love the crimp, but I can see now what you're talking about. Uh, with those crimp ones, there's sort of just a, a tight spiral or circle at the top where it's not really conducive to doing any soldering. So what you're talking about must have sort of like that little cutout, that little teardrop sort of thing where you can solder in there, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's it looks like your standard uh, solder connector, uh, like the Amphenol, uh, the old school Amphenol solder connector. So you bring in your center conductor there, and then there's a, a space there, and then you just kind of heat up the uh, center pan and then flow it with the solder, like you would normally do a, a, a solder type uh, connector you the only thing is you're just soldering the center conductor and then then the uh, the shield instead of being trying to solder to the uh, the, the body of the uh, connector it's uh, it's just a crimp connection and so you have that mechanical connection there the the I think the solder giving the uh, you're getting getting the electrical connection plus you're getting a mechanical connection there for the for the solder if you, you do it properly so uh, We'll see. We'll try it out. Uh, give it a you know a few years and uh, real world testing with the, with the weight hanging on there. They might fail too, so we might have to uh, look at it. And, and you know, there's other ways. If you can't get the solder connect, maybe we need to start putting some strain relief uh, on the cable so that there is no strain on the connector. So we can probably tie up uh, some paracord or something into a uh, kind of a Chinese finger deal. And then uh, support it from the ballon or the uh, or the center rope, and uh, take the strain off the connector. That's another way that we can, you know, solve the and still get away using, you know, a uh, crimp connector. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay, cool. You got me thinking now. We'll we'll take that link. Yeah. And, uh, when I push put the uh, show up, we'll put it in on the Facebook page or something like that, just to let you know what we were talking about and uh, what we're saving up for. So we can do that. Steve, thank you so much. We'll catch you on the Sunday evening nets, and we'll have you back on the show uh, as well. So, and then if you need to know, uh, Sunday evening, 7 o'clock Central Time, 
during the winter time, we've moved to a 75 meter phone. We're looking at 3902 has been a good frequency for us. It's been a really good frequency. You must have picked that because it just kind of happened to, we were kind of, you know, finding our spot. We just kind of found this spot that uh, works out. Now, uh, unfortunately, it's uh i'm getting reports from the northeast there there's some kind of over the horizon radar that's really tearing those guys up so we might be trying to find something up the uh, the band i'm here in the northwest we're not getting too hammered with the that uh, noise problem uh that uh, the northeast is having so um but we just kind of stumbled on this one and uh it seemed to be working pretty good but uh trying to find a frequency that's going to work for everybody is is tough especially on uh, 75 meters and uh but uh, we'll we'll try to do our best and but right now we're just uh 3902 seems to be uh, working out now whether we you know it'll keep working out for us uh, here in the future that's we'll wait and see all right, buddy. We'll talk again soon. Uh, you guys take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And by all means, if you can, please try and stay above the noise. To join the 100 Watts and a Wire community, visit 100wattsandawire.com.